Blog Talk Radio. Or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. President of the United States. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. 
No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Why, why are gas prices going higher and higher? Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil. <laughs> Big Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. Big Oil. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big Oil. Ethanol. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Jimmy Carter. Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton.
All right. Good evening, folks, to a special broadcast of tonight's, well, Super Tuesday. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, finally, well, at least to get to the point where we uh, narrow things down with the candidates. I, I would hope that uh, after tonight's events, after the voting is done and the the votes are tallied, that we would we will we'll get a clearer picture of uh, of who our nominee is going to be, so we can get this election cycle kicked off properly, and I can start um, you know uh, working for a campaign. Uh, time is running out, and time is of the eff- and the essence to get this party started, and I'm 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 looking forward to it, and I think. Um, a lot of people are, uh, you know, are, are concerned that uh, you know Barack Obama is, um, you know, improving the economy and that uh, the unemployment rate is going down, and you know there's a good chance that he stands to win re-election. But there are a lot of pundits who believe that it's going to be very difficult for him to win re-election, even with the doctored uh, unemployment numbers. So let's kick it off right with the appropriate tune. Oh yeah. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Today's date is March 6th, Super Tuesday, 2012. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Robert Jones situation report. The polls are closing. Vermont's at 18%. Ohio is at 31%. Georgia is reporting 31%. And Tennessee, 41%. Exit polls. Who's going to come out the big winner this this Super Tuesday? Are you excited? (laughs) I tell you what. I am immensely excited, and I woke up this morning that way, and I'm not sure exactly why. 
It's Super Tuesday. I suppose I'm excited because we're finally going to get uh, um, the, the smoke will clear, the fog will be lifted, or, or one would hope that that would be the case, and we'll get a clearer picture of who the nominee is going to be so we can start working toward electing that person. I talked to quite a few folks today. We'll call them African Americans. Uh, I don't prefer that term, as a lot of you already know, but so let's call them blacks. Because, because, just because. And I talked to five or six blacks. And those black folks seem to think that my being a tea partier is a sellout, that I've sold out my people, that I've sold out the president of the United States by being a tea partier. Now, I explained what being a member of the tea party means, and they seem to get it now, whereas before it was as if I were speaking to a brick wall. So... So I throw that out there. The Georgia Republican well, – let's, let's get a breakdown of exactly what's happening today. The Georgia Republican primary up for grabs are 76 delegates. Now, 42 of those delegates are awarded from the state's 14 congressional districts, three per district. Outright majority wins all three district delegates. All right? Polarity win gets two, with one for the runner-up. Got that? Now, 31 are awarded proportionately based on statewide vote share. A 20% threshold is needed. Three are given as a bonus to the state popular vote winner. It's an open primary, presidential preference only. 963,541 votes cast in 2008. Huckabee got 34%, McCain got 32%, Romney got 30%, and Ron Paul got a paltry 3%. The polls close at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, Gingrich seeks a sprawling victory here, and so it is needed. Newt Gingrich represented Georgia's 6th Congressional District from 1979 to 1999. When he took office, it was a wide-ranging swath north through northwest Georgia. Starting with the Cobb County and Fulton County suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia and its growing population have added four congressional districts since then. So that's what we've got going on with the state of Georgia. Now, the counties to watch are Cherokee and Chatham. Ohio. As we've stated in our opening, Ohio looms largest. With 66 delegates, 48 are awarded from the state's newly redrawn 16 congressional districts. Three per district, winner take all. 15 delegates are awarded to the winner of the statewide popular vote. Three statewide party officials, chairman and national committee are, and committee woman are automatic, unbound delegates. 
it's an open primary. Presidential preference plus congressional and local offices. 1.5 million votes cast in 2008, McCain 55%, Huckabee 32, and Paul 5. The polls close at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, Santorum in Ohio seeks momentum more than delegates. At least that's what Fox, the Fox Nation, is reporting. Ohio may not be the biggest delegate prize of Super Tuesday, but it is the most important test for the two GOP frontrunners, Rick Santorum, Rick Santorum and Mitt Romney. Ohio's Republicans tend to be of the moderate, Midwestern variety, with most living in the suburbs. Of the state's three largest cities, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, the Buckeye State is in many ways the heart, the very heart of mainstream republicanism. Advantage goes to Mitt Romney here, but we'll see. Who's next? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get to who's next in just a minute. But before we do that, we're going to do this. We're going to take a short break. Then we'll come back, and then we'll get into where – Who's next and what for and why? How much is too much? Do you know how much is too much? Hit me again. Do you know when to say when? Uh, Pelosi's coming over. Uh, make it a double. Studies show that those who overindulge exhibit signs of arrogance. I don't count my drinks because I'm the president. Overconfidence. This is the day we stop the seas from rising. Or was it yesterday? The inability to think clearly on one's own. Where, where's my teleprompter? I, I gotta talk to those kindergarten kids. You think you're funny, but no one else does. Let's give the Dalai Lama a, a set of cufflinks and send him out the back door. Uh, uh, Mr. President, let, let's, let's don't do that. I... And a profound inability to listen to others. Lama, it's funny. You don't know funny. If a friend, relative, or leader of the free world exhibits any of these warning signs, don't let them drive, operate heavy machinery, or sign any important documents. Where, where, where's that health care bill? And consider moderating their alcohol intake it before it's too late. Why are gas prices going higher and higher? Ask George Bush's best friend. Big oil. <laughs> Big oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. Big oil. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big oil. Big oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big oil. Ethanol. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big oil. Jimmy Carter. Big oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. Profits. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. When we do Internet talk radio, we receive support from a great many areas. We have listener support, of course, and some who help with the promoting. One group that often goes unrecognized are the wives of Internet Talk Radio hosts. They are the ones who tolerate our dalliances and the time we invest in our hobbies, 
Well, this is one way we can properly recognize those who are closest to us by broadcasting their sincere sentiments regarding our passions. Are you going to stay up all night? You're a family, you know. You're always at that computer. How much money do you make doing that dumbass radio show? You're not the only one who lives there, you know. You better come and eat. I'm not bringing it in there. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. All right, Tennessee's up next. With 58 delegates, 27 are awarded from the state's current nine congressional districts. Three per district, proportional among the top three finishers per district, unless one candidate wins more than 68%. 28 statewide delegates are awarded proportionately. 20% threshold to qualify, more than 66% wins all statewide delegates. Three statewide party officials, chairman, and national committeemen and committeewoman are automatic, unbound delegates. Open primary, which means anybody can vote, Democrat and Republican, Libertarian as well. Presidential preference only. votes votes cast in 2008. Huckabee, 34%. McCain, 32%. Romney, 24%. And Ron Paul, 6%. The polls closed in Tennessee at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern counties, including Knoxville and Chattanooga, close at 7 p.m. Eastern. The fight for the West. There are three distinct regions of Tennessee. Appalachian, East, Cumberland, Central, and Mississippi Delta West. And while the overall population of the state tilts east toward largest towards its largest city, Memphis the highest concentration of Republican voters are in the central and eastern thirds. Both, But in 2008, Mike Huckabee scored one of his most significant Super Tuesday wins by grabbing lots of votes from the Republicans who do live around Memphis and the rest of the West. That year, Mitt Romney swept through the Republican-heavy suburbs of Nashville in the central region, and John McCain did well in the state's staunchly Republican Tennessee Valley. In the east, between Cumberland and the Smoky Mountains, he fared even better. With both those splitting the GOP's geographic base, Huckabee slipped through for the win by scoring well in rural counties across the state and in the west where GOP voters are not only of a socially conservative bent, but also very familiar with Huckabee from his years as governor of Arkansas, just across the Mississippi River. So we'll see how things flow tonight, because as we all know, Huckabee's not involved in this one. So who's going to take those all-important votes that Huckabee was able to score? The Virginia Republican primary, my state, 
at least it is today. 49 delegates are at stake. 33 are awarded from the state's 11 congressional districts. Three per district. Winner. Winner take all. 13 are awarded proportionately based on statewide vote share. 15% threshold. Winner take all. Above 50%. Three statewide party officials. Chairman and national committeeman and committee woman are automatic, unbound delegates. It's an open primary, presidential preference only, and in 2008, 489,252 votes were cast. McCain got 50% of those, Huckabee 41, and Ron Paul 5%. Let's see how it works out this time. Polls close at 7 p.m. And we'll have updates as the show as the show carries on. Binary choice. There's not much to get Virginia voters to the polls today. Only front runner Mitt Romney and fourth place Rod Paul meet the Commonwealth's stingy ballot access requirements. There are no other races on the ballot, and only Paul has campaigned. In Virginia, to any significant degree, it's possible that with a few voters, Paul, Paul's committed supporters could pull off a surprising upset in, the congressional, in a congressional district or two thanks to youth and military support. But it's hard to imagine that the well-organized Romney team wouldn't win the statewide vote by an extremely wide margin. Counties to watch, Alba Marie, or Alba Marie. Ron Paul took 6% of the vote there. In the home of uh, the University of Virginia in 2008, by getting fewer than 400 voters to the polls, in an open primary with no Democratic race on the ballot, no other uh, Romney's options and Paul's are running better this year. So we'll see how that works out. In Hampton City, which is going to be the place to watch for Paul, Paul outperformed his statewide vote share across the Tidewater region in 2008, thanks in part to the large numbers of uh, colleges and universities, my alma mater, William & Mary, Old Dominion, and a few others. Paul's support among members of the military Hampton, in Virginia's 2nd Congressional District, is the home of Langley Air Force Base in Hampton University. Watch for a possible Paul win there. Let's go over to my main man here on Fox News and see what's cooking and to get the latest scoop on what's happening right now. Eligible to win delegates in three of the congressional districts, and he was unable to file a complete so-called delegate slate in a few handful of others. So all told, 18 of the 66 delegates are are not available for Rick Santorum to win. That means were Santorum to hold on to the lead that he had and pulled off the actual popular vote victory, he still is in jeopardy of not winning the actual delegates themselves, Chuck. All right, Carl, thanks very much. I want to get to uh, Ed Rollins now. Uh, The polls close in Ohio just about, what, two and a half minutes from now, uh, and we'll go there. Ed Rollins, a Republican strategist, a longtime friend of the program and a smart guy with an 
the Republican establishment who really pulls no punches and uh, sets it straight. And we were talking during the commercial break just a moment ago about what seems to be most interesting tonight, Ed, and you said that the Catholics aren't going for the Catholics in the exit polling in the state of Ohio. Yeah, and, and you know, that's, that's an important vote, and obviously it's a vote Romney uh, counted on. Uh, the other thing, uh, you know, I think the Virginia race is about, it's a very conservative state, and I think conservatives just wanted to do a protest vote. Uh, and I think Paul, so certainly I'm not taking anything away from his, his supporters, but I think the, the closeness of the race early on was really about the protest vote and other people who weren't on the ballot. The interesting thing there is, is, is the voters, the taxpayers of Virginia had to pay, spend $3 million to have this race with only two people on the ballot. And there was a lot of upset people about that. Well, you know, not the least of which were the campaigns, but it's not as if they didn't know the rules in advance. The, the, rule, the rules are not uh, changeable, and I think the critical part of this is... Except in Florida, except in Florida. where they are. Ex organization still matters, and obviously we're seeing some of that tonight. We'll see some of that uh, as we get later on in the day where where uh, Santorum didn't get all the delegates that he needed to be filed, and that's where Romney has had a big advantage, that and his money. Santorum was leading in Ohio for a while. Uh, the, the numbers have changed over the last few days, I guess. The, the Millions of dollars of television works. I mean, we all want to pretend it doesn't. Attack ads. But it, but, but, it, but, it, but it works. And, and at the end of the day, as you start to go through these exit polls, the things that people are talking about, uh, uh, one of the things that surprises me is that people say being in business is more important than having government experience. Well, that's a brand new thing, and obviously that's all part of the Romney, the Romney campaign. When you see your when you see your ads coming back, the words in your ads coming back in your in your polling, then you know you're being successful in the poll. And and we'll talk more about what those attack ads will do down the road in just a second, because they are very important going forward. But first, there is breaking news now as Fox reports live tonight. The polls have just closed at 7:30 Eastern time in the state of Ohio. The voting is over. It is the key state of the night, the biggest contest of the night, and we have some brand new information about voters in the state of Ohio. The exit polls now show Mitt Romney is winning among voters who say beating President Obama is the most important thing. But Rick Santorum is winning among voters who want a candidate with a strong moral character. We'll get to all of that. No Republican has won the White House without winning Ohio first in November. Not one. Analysts say that's why there's so much at stake tonight for both front runners. And there's an extra challenge for Rick Santorum because he did not qualify for all of the state's delegates. What does that mean? Steve, Stan uh, Steve Brown is live at Rick Santorum's Super Tuesday headquarters, Steubenville, Ohio, tonight. The Santorum campaign failed to qualify for as many as 18 Ohio delegates. Why? Essentially, they didn't get their paperwork done. Um, the campaign says they were in the establishment campaign. They didn't have establishment money, nor did they have an establishment organization. But the fact of the matter is that they didn't get their paperwork in. And essentially, in three congressional districts where they're allotted three at-large winner-take-all uh, delegates, uh, they will lose those nine. And in another six congressional districts, there were incomplete slates submitted, one or two. So that totals up to 18. A uh, Republican operative says somebody with the Santorum campaign should have known it and kept their eye on the ball. You'd think that, it, that no matter how small the campaign is, they would have a calendar of when these deadlines are, and they'd make their dev, you know make their level best effort to get on the ballot in every state. 
unfortunately, this will be a bit of a recurring story for the Santorum campaign. Not only did they not make the ballot in Virginia, had some problems here in Ohio, but down the road in two weeks in Illinois, they'll not have congressional slates in four congressional districts for that state's primary. On April 3rd, in the District of Columbia primary, Santorum won't be on the ballot at all. Shep? Steve, as I mentioned. All right, and we're back. With the C. Robert Jones situation report, the call-in number is 347-884-8500. Wow. It looks like Georgia primary, Romney's at 23%, Paul's at 5 reporting 1%. Vermont, Romney at 34%, Santorum at 28, 1% reporting. Paul's got 28%, Gingrich 8% in Vermont's primary. Virginia, Romney, 56%. Paul, 44%. Georgia, Gingrich, 43%. Santorum, 21%. Reporting. Georgia, Romney, 23%. Paul, 5%. Looks like, with 1% reporting, that our favorite son, the favorite son of Georgia, is going to do fairly well. Well, let's move now to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, 40 delegates are at stake. 15 are awarded from the state's five congressional districts. Three per district. Over 50% wins all three of a district's delegates. Otherwise, the top three, over 15%, get each get a vote. They each get one, one, one delegate. <laughs> 25 are awarded proportionately based on statewide vote share. And 15% will get you that 15% threshold. Winner take all above 50%. Three are given as a bonus to the state popular vote winner. It's a closed primary, presidential preference only. In 2008, 335,054 votes cast. McCain got 37%, Huckabee 33%, Romney 23%, and Paul 3%. The polls close at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Full Super Tuesday coverage is here on the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Wide open spaces. In every contested Republican primary... Uh, presidential primary since 1988, at least one contender has been from a neighboring state. To uh, Super Tuesday Prize, Oklahoma, George H.W. Bush, Bob Dole, George W. Bush, and Mike Huckabee. But there's nothing like, nothing quite so much like a regional favorite this year. Nothing. Oklahoma really isn't a western state where Mitt Romney does well. And it's not really a southern state where Newt Gingrich does well. Oklahoma's really a Great Plains state. And other than some hints from caucus straw polls in southern Minnesota and western Iowa, we haven't heard much from Plains Republicans so far this year. So Oklahoma's a bit of a mystery in terms of who is going to ultimately uh, claim victory. Let's go back to Fox News and see what Bill Hemmer has to say about all this. Results, and results right now are so critical. You mentioned Ohio. It's really been the focus throughout this last uh, week here. Uh, reporting right now in the state of Ohio, nothing. No precincts, 
no counties officially. Four years ago in this primary in Ohio, John McCain won all 88 counties. He beat Huckabee two to one. Interestingly enough, Romney only got 3%. That's because four years ago at this time, Mitt Romney was already winding down his campaign and got out right after, uh, got out of the race right after Super Tuesday. If Rick Santorum in general is going to have a good day today in Ohio, he's going to have to do really well here, run up the score here in southern Ohio, also on the eastern edge of Ohio near his home state of Pennsylvania. And some back in Ohio also believe that Santorum can do very well here along the western edge toward Indiana. Mitt Romney expects to do well in Cuyahoga County, that's Cleveland, Franklin County, which is Columbus, Hamilton County, which is Cincinnati. And Interstate 71 connects all three of these major cities in Ohio. We'll see whether or not the map fills in that way. We do expect these colors to change uh, momentarily as the information starts to trickle in uh, from various counties here. We'll restart the board here and give you a better idea right now about what we're seeing in results in other states. You made a call in Vermont, Shepard. You made a call in Virginia, down here in the state of Georgia, making a call on Gingrich. It starts to trickle in now. Only 2% of the vote in right now in Gingrich's home state. What's coming up next? The poll closing's on the board at 8 o'clock. You're about 22 minutes away. Three states will clock in then. The home state for Romney in Massachusetts, where we will see him in Boston later tonight. Also down here in Tennessee. Watch the way Tennessee goes. Three men fighting and vying right now uh, for victory there in Tennessee tonight. Oklahoma, similar story. We'll see the results come in there in about 22 and a half minutes. For the moment, back in Ohio, nothing to report just yet, but that map will change in a matter of moments. On Super Tuesday, Shepard. Bill, thank you. Uh, lots that we're watching. If you want to know what we're watching. Behind. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sleep, sweeping down the plains. Rick Santorum's success in early polls there can mostly be attributed to the fact that Oklahoma Republicans, and Democrats for that matter, are fierce social conservatives. The state has some of the toughest abortion laws in the country. And that's something they share in common with Plains voters in places like western Iowa. But Oklahoma is also a big-time energy state. It's technology-driven, and the booms there are everywhere in production of both oil and natural gas. So, Romney, who finished third with a quarter of the vote four years ago, a quarter of the vote, can hope that without John McCain drawing moderate votes, he can vastly improve his performance with business-minded Oklahomians. Remember, half of the state's Republican votes are in energy-centric Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Republicans dominate Oklahoma politics despite lagging Democrats in registration thanks to the conservative bent of the state's independent voters. But those voters can't participate in the presidential primary, which might make things a bit harder for Rick Santorum. So stay tuned. Let's go back to Fox News and see what's happening over there. 
strategy that now includes Arkansas, Mississippi, hopes to get something out of Kansas in those states that lie ahead now in the next primary contest. But for tonight, a big victory for Newt Gingrich here as he has won Georgia and he's won it big, Chef. Yes, he has. Uh, thanks very much, John Roberts, live in, the sta- in Atlanta, Georgia, for us. Now, Ron Paul is speaking. He had quite a show in Virginia tonight. He's gotten some pretty good numbers in the state of Vermont. His campaign is energized, and he's live in Fargo. Listen in. Problems like we spend too much money now and then, and uh, we borrow too much money now and then. The government grows and lease by lease and bound. But the one of the things that they have done over these last hundred years that has been very detrimental, especially in the last forty years, is they want government to grow endlessly. We don't have the money. They run out of borrowing power. Guess what they do? You would have never guessed. They start printing money. And, of course, that leads to more problems. Now the world's facing a debt crisis, and the debt crisis is a consequence, a natural consequence, a predictable consequence of the monetary system that we have. So we embarked 100 years ago with a central bank, which uh, Thomas Jefferson tried so desperately to prevent. So they haven't done a very good job. They took a dollar of, ni- the dollar of 1913, now it's worth one penny. So I would say it's time we celebrate next year uh, the uh, 100th anniversary of the Federal Reserve by repealing the Federal Reserve Act. A lot has happened in the last four years. Uh, These problems have been going on for a long time. It'd be nice if we could blame one person or one administration, but it's been going on a long time. So, so many young people here, I think you're realizing you're getting a bad rap for what you're inheriting. You'd like a much better deal, and the deal, the better deal can be found in less government. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. That old man makes a lot of sense, even though he reminds me of a really cranky old crazy uncle that only shows up around Thanksgiving or Christmas. And that's to get his gift or maybe something to drink. Some libation that will drive him into a drunken stupor where everything about politics is bad. I admire Ron Paul. I like Ron Paul. Everything that he says makes sense. And I find myself agreeing with a lot of what he has to say in spite of myself. Somehow he just seems to be just a bit on the fringes though. Even even further than I'm willing to go. In some cases. But there are other parts of the things that he has to say of, of things that he has to say that make so much sense that are you know we're lacking What we're lacking in today's politics in both Democrat and Republican is just good old-fashioned common sense. And Ron Paul exudes just plain good old-fashioned horse sense. You know that Will Rogers kind of common sense? It amazes me how in today's politics there are so many gray areas. I spoke to an individual today, a banker friend of mine, who said that she came to understand as she became as she grew older that everything is not so black and white, that there are shades of gray in almost everything, that there are no absolutes, 
There are no yeses or noes definitively in a lot of cases, but maybes, and I'll think about it. Well, with Ron Paul, there are absolutes, and they make so much sense. And I couldn't agree less with my good friend, the banker, that there are definitives. There are, there is yes and no. There are shades of gray in some cases in some areas where we use our common sense, the good old horse sense that God gave us, the Will Rogers style of common sense. But then there are times when we say, no, this is where I'm going to take my stand. I will not stand for this and I will not stand for that. There's no maybe. There's no, well, I don't know. No. There is no such thing. Let's move on to Massachusetts now. 41. 41 delegates are at stake. 38 are awarded proportionately based on statewide vote share. 15% threshold. Three statewide party officials, chairman and national committeeman and committeewoman, are automatic. They're automatic unbound delegates. Semi-closed primary... Republican and independents, presidential preference only, 500,550 votes cast in 2008. Romney took 51% of those, McCain 41, Huckabee 4, and Paul took 3. Home. Home is where the delegates are. Mitt Romney should have no trouble in the Bay State where he's lived for more than 25 years and served as governor from 2003 to 2007. And with delegates awarded on a statewide basis, he needn't even worry about any congressional districts being picked off. However, as he learned with his 10-point win in 2008, proportional delegate distribution can be a bit tricky. Despite getting skunked, John McCain still got 18 delegates to Romney's 22. There's been no reliable polling on the state. However, Romney can be happy about how this year's races shaped up for Massachusetts voters. McCain took his votes away. Romney, mostly among moderate Republicans... And in, 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 in immediately in Boston, well, there, there's not, there's not, there aren't very many Gingrich or Santorum votes. Let's just put it that way. Romney's going to sweep this one. I can pretty much guarantee that. Fox News now projects Romney wins Virginia and Vermont, and Gingrich is winning Georgia. Let's go to Fox News. Precincts are now reporting, and the numbers are tiny by Ohio standards, at least for the time being, but just as close as we had expected for the moment. Rick's, um, Mitt Romney is leading 39 to 37 percent. It's our guess that that number will go back and forth. Uh, I don't know, much like a, a, a Knicks-Boston game. The numbers will, will change, and then the last two minutes of the game, we'll figure out who wins the thing. We're waiting now uh, just 12 and a half minutes from now, three very significant states with the polls closing. The states of Oklahoma, Massachusetts, and Tennessee. 
Tennessee may tell us some things, all the way from Memphis across through Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville, and beyond. Uh, what happens in Tennessee could tell us a lot about the conservative vote tonight and going forward. First, President Obama held his first, very first news conference of the year on Super Tuesday. Coincidental, his aides insist. The president discussed topics including mortgage relief but the, and the nuclear standoff with Iran, and that quickly took center stage. He reiterated his position that there is still time to resolve the situation diplomatically. But he also took a swipe at Republican candidates for, as he put it, beating the drums of war. Those folks don't have a lot of responsibilities. They're not commander-in-chief. And when, when I see the casualness uh, with which some of these folks talk about war, uh, I'm reminded of the costs involved in war. Of course, this comes just one day after the president met with the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Let's get Team Fox coverage in now. Jonathan Hunt with more on the candidates' foreign policy positions. First to Ed Henry live at the White House, the president hitting the Republican candidates over loose talk about war. That's right, Chap. I mean, the bottom line is the president uh, underscored again and again that he still thinks that diplomacy can work. Uh, he thinks there's a window of opportunity now because he thinks the sanctions are crippling Iran, uh, and he thinks everyone should calm down this talk, that it's, uh, it's spooking the oil markets, raising the price of oil, it's concerning the American people, concerning people around the world, uh, all of this loose talk. And he basically hit Republicans because he said, uh, as he noted, that as commander-in-chief, he has to deal with the cost of war, but the Republican candidates can make Basically, throw out all this bluster and not back it up. Take a listen. When I see some of these folks who uh, have a lot of bluster and a lot of big talk, but when you actually ask them specifically what they would do, it turns out they repeat the things that we've been doing over the last three years. Uh, it indicates to me that that's more about politics than actually trying to solve a difficult problem. Now, the president never listed the names of those Republicans, but when he was pressed about whether or not uh, he has anything to say to Mitt Romney on this Super Tuesday, he said, uh, basically, I wish him good luck tonight. Uh, and uh, later in the day, Mitt Romney said that he, th he thinks that sounds like an endorsement, but uh, I doubt it was. Yeah, I doubt it. Ed Henry, one more thing. First, though, polls closing in three states in exactly 10 minutes. Our decision team is on it for the states of Oklahoma, Massachusetts, and Tennessee. It's possible that we'll have a call with one of those exactly at the top of the hour. Possible. It's also possible we might get something from Ohio in just a moment. But first, Ed, the All one right. thing we know about the relationship between our president... Let's go back to uh, this great state of Ohio, Jackson County. You know, it's no coincidence that Newt Gingrich often refers to Andrew Jackson, the seventh president and the namesake of that town. Across much of the South in Appalachia, Jackson is still remembered for his defiant spirit and hostility, hostility to centralized power in Washington. Now, while Ohio is mostly Midwestern, the southern part of the state is strong Appalachian spirit. For those voters, many of whom are Scottish-Irish-English extraction and are evangelical Protestants, Gingrich's pitch holds appeal. So stay tuned for that. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that county turns out for Newt Gingrich. And like Jackson County, much of the region is rural. 
with many residents commuting long distances to work in order to keep their homesteads in Jackson County. Formerly Democratic and now staunchly Republican, this region has been a big part of moving Ohio to the right in recent decades. So let's keep an eye on Jackson County in the great state of Ohio. Let's go back to Shepard and see what he's got going on. Foreign policy. Team Fox coverage continues now with the Chief Fox Report correspondent, Jonathan Hunt, who's live with us on st in his studio tonight. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Shep. You know, elections may generally turn on the economy, but with foreign policy challenges piling up in Afghanistan, in Iran, in Syria, Fox News senior political analyst Britt Hume says Republicans see a real opportunity to take on the president. They believe that uh, although he got bin Laden uh, and al-Awlaki, that broadly speaking, on Iran and nuclear weapons in particular, that he's been weak, and they think he's been reticent in his support of Israel, although, you know, the president is obviously working to remedy that. So I think these Republicans see an opening there. And the opening they're focusing on is what they claim is a lack of leadership from President Obama. Hope is not a foreign policy. The only thing respected by thugs and tyrants is our resolve, backed by our power, and our readiness to use it. Republicans have also been critical of the president's decision to apologize for the burning by U.S. troops of copies of the Koran that had been defaced by Afghan detainees. It was an attempt to put a lid on the riots that followed, according to the White House. It was another example of the president being too quick to say sorry, according to Newt Gingrich. When a president of the United States, as commander-in-chief, apologizes to religious fanatics while they're killing young Americans. <clears throat> this is profoundly wrong. Ron Paul has argued for a far less interventionist foreign policy. We should not be and cannot be the policemen of the world. But all the other candidates believe that the U.S. has to be more aggressive in defending its interests, in particular in stopping Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. When I say to the government of Iran that Iran will not get a nuclear weapon, go to the bank. Iran will not get a nuclear weapon. Most analysts agree foreign policy is unlikely to be a major issue in the presidential election, but as Britt Hume points out, that could change very quickly. That's the thing about events and campaigns. We always think that campaigns and candidates are very important. Usually it's events that matter most. And one thing that Democrats and Republicans agree on is that if Iran gets close to really building a nuclear weapon, and if Israel or the U.S. launch a military strike to prevent that happening, the presidential campaign, and for that matter, the world, will change in an instant, Chip. Jonathan, thanks very much. Ed Rollins, how much of this is politics? Uh, a lot of it's politics. I mean, I think at the end of the All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. It's a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust. Ronald Reagan was fond of saying trust but verify. President Obama told us he released his official long-form birth, long birth certificate on April 27, 2011. Can we trust him? And should we verify? Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio and his co-case posse attempted to answer that question with the intended goal of verifying the authentic authenticity try saying that fast three times 
of the certificate presented by the White House to the public. Oddly enough, we haven't heard much about it lately. The mainstream media refuses to pick it up. Fox News, even. Even my main man, Rush Limbaugh, and some of the other conservative pundits haven't picked up on it. It was here today, gone tomorrow. A lot of my blog talk peers picked up on it immediately. And yet, at this juncture, at this time and place, it's all been swept under the rug. We haven't heard anything about it at all. At his March 1 press conference, Sheriff Arpaio concluded that there is probable cause to believe that the document is a computer-generated forgery. Additionally, the sheriff stated, I do not believe that it is a scam of an original, a scan of an original 1961 paper document, as represented by the White House when the long-form birth certificate was made public. The The sheriff's office released a formal report of its preliminary findings and indicated that its investigation is continuing, but yet we've heard nothing. Nada. And most of the reporters' questions at the end of the press conference were statements in defense of Obama. And the subsequent coverage by major news outlets asserted that rumors about the president's birth certificate were debunked and discredited. But they gave no details of the debunking or discrediting. As the sheriff also noted at the conference, no specific or official investigation has ever been reported. Unless we can count Savannah Guthrie, apparently the only reporter allowed to touch and photograph the original the original long form certificate after it was released or the two representatives of fact check neither noted as having any relevant professional experience in document examination who photo- photographed the the short form certificate uh, uh, certification posted in uh, 2008 but my question to you my fine listening audience is why haven't we heard more about this This should be the Woodward and Bernstein-style story of the century, of the decade. Maybe, how about just the week? (laughs) How about just this month? You know, unfortunately, I suspected just this much, that the sheriff would come out, he'd be labeled a crackpot, and a birther. Some folks on Blog Talk, like myself, would get out and we'd talk about it ad nauseum, and then it would just kind of fade away. Remember uh, Mr. Corsi's book, Where's the Birth Certificate, of which I got an original copy before it was released, and spoke to Mr. Corsi over the phone, and interviewed him on my show. Remember him? Where's the Birth Certificate? The book was the number one bestseller. For about a week. And then it faded from memory. 
It sits on my shelf. Thoroughly red, of course. Well, maybe, maybe we'll hear more about this, maybe we won't. Meanwhile, let's get back to the race. Let's see what Fox News has going on right here now. Mitt Romney has won the state of Vermont. Those are the standings as we know them. Five seconds now to the next poll closing. It's 8 o'clock on the East Coast and polls just closing in Massachusetts, Tennessee, and Oklahoma. Fox News can now project that Rick Santorum will win Oklahoma, that western state, leaving Mitt Romney and Newt Gingrich to battle for second place there. Ron Paul will finish fourth in Oklahoma based on Fox News exit polls and the raw data in. And that's a significant win for Senator Santorum, who battled hard in Oklahoma. Fox News is also projecting that Mitt Romney, as expected, will crush all competitors in his home state, of Massachusetts, where he once served as governor. In Tennessee, Santorum is leading Mitt Romney, but the race remains too close to call. Romney and Gingrich are battling for second place in Tennessee, while Ron Paul will finish fourth there. This is a very close race in Tennessee. This could be one we're watching for a long time and a big, big result that we want to watch uh, throughout the night. So to recap tonight's contest so far, Romney has won three states, Virginia, Vermont, and now Massachusetts. Rick Santorum has won Oklahoma, and Newt Gingrich has won Georgia, Ohio, Tennessee, too close to call. Let's get right to our all-star panel tonight. Fox News senior political analyst Britt Hume, Juan Williams, columnist for The Hill, and Steve Hayes, senior writer for The Weekly Standard. Okay, Britt, give us the take so far, what you're seeing, what uh, the night looks like so far. Well, a lot will depend on states still to come. So far, it seems to me that this is on form. We expected Gingrich to win Georgia. We expected Romney to win Massachusetts, Vermont, and Virginia. He has done all of those things. Uh, Santorum, I think we more or less expected to win Oklahoma. So, so far, we haven't had any real surprises, um, nor any real disappointments for anybody, unless we begin to dr drill down and see that some of this Second place, third place finishes were disappointing. We'll have to do that as the night goes on. So far, Juan, each candidate, uh, with the exception perhaps of Ron Paul, although he's faring pretty well uh, in, in uh, Vermont, uh, so far, each candidate has some bragging rights so far to go. I think they do, and I think Santorum's win uh, in Oklahoma is an example of that. Tennessee is where, as you guys were saying, we're going to be watching carefully because if Santorum is able to hold on in Tennessee, knowing as we do that Newt Gingrich won Georgia, what does that say about the heart of the Republican Party in the South and Mitt Romney? Is Romney going to be able to go into those southern states, and particularly states where people are Protestants and have some questions about Romney's Mormon faith? Is Romney going to be able to go in there and be a persuasive candidate who can convey the message that it's time to get on board? Romney is going to be the inevitable Republican nominee. Steve, let's talk about the news this hour. Just we called Oklahoma for Rick Santorum. That is a big win for Rick Santorum. He spent time in that state. At one time, Newt Gingrich was competing in Oklahoma. A lot of social conservatives there. What about Oklahoma? Well, I think Oklahoma is big for Rick Santorum because it makes it allows him to continue to make the argument that he is the conservative alternative to Mitt Romney. We don't know yet how the delegate breakdown will work out because of sort of complicated uh, delegate rules there. But 
but it's clear that he's going to do well there, that he's going to come away with a number of delegates. He looks like he'll come away with delegates, uh, a number of delegates in Tennessee, Ohio, some of these other places as well. And Rick Santorum's goal tonight is to be able to continue to make the argument that he, and not Newt Gingrich, is the conservative alternative to Mitt Romney. We heard earlier um, some speculation, Britt, about the, the win for Mitt Romney in Virginia. Ron Paul did rather well there, and some were suggesting that could be an endorsement of Ron Paul, uh, so maybe proving some momentum for Ron Paul. There's another theory as well. However. Well, it, this is an interesting thing that happened. Here we are all were at 7 o'clock, and the one place everybody thought we'd be able immediately to call, even just based on the exit poll numbers, was Virginia for, for Mitt Romney. There was a th there was the, in the last wave of exit poll data received by our decision desk and the decision desks elsewhere, it showed the, the race within you know, low single digits. So everybody held off. Right, right thing to do under the circumstances. Then as the as the vote total began to come in and everybody had a chance to look at it, the, the call was made about ten past seven. Um, and now we'll just see how the vote turns out. But I, what I do think is happening, Megan, in the state of Virginia and perhaps elsewhere as well, Vermont perhaps, is that the non-Romney vote is a protest vote, a protest in Virginia against the fact that the other two weren't on the ballot. Indeed, uh, some of the other two were encouraging people to get out and vote for Ron Paul to try to deny Romney all the delegates or as many delegates as possible. I think we may have seen the same thing in Vermont as well. We're getting word, Juan, that uh, Newt Gingrich will speak in about 30 minutes. We'll obviously see that live here on Fox News Channel. He is down in Atlanta, Georgia, and is going to be touting what looks like a very wide margin in his adopted home state. He served Congress uh, as a representative from Georgia and then Speaker of the House. Uh, what about Newt Gingrich, his future, and uh, this win tonight? It looks like Tennessee he's factoring in as well. He's factoring. It's, it does not look like it's by a winning margin, Brett. But what we're seeing with Newt Gingrich is people, again, believing, and I thought this was so telling in Georgia, that he is as electable as Mitt Romney, which has been Mitt Romney's calling card in states throughout the, the, the primary and caucus process. Here is Gingrich getting an audience to say, we believe you can beat Obama. And that is just so critical across the board in the Republican primary process. He, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. I talked to a Gingrich advisor just uh, before we came on. And one thing is clear. He is setting himself up to make further arguments down the road. I mean, it would be helpful for Newt Gingrich for his argument if he were to win or be very close to winning in one of these other states, whether it's Tennessee or Oklahoma uh, or elsewhere. Uh, people sort of expect him to win Georgia. Uh, the fact that he's doing it by a big margin, that margin has increased over the, the last couple of weeks, given the polling that we had seen. So I think he'll make the argument that, yes, I won Georgia, but I won it decisively. And he's planning. I mean, he's, pl he's talking about Alabama and Mississippi. He's talking about spending time in Kansas. He wants to be able to make that argument. And his campaign is planning as far out as, as California. I mean, they're making arguments. They're putting together coalitions. So any indications that Newt Gingrich would be the first one to drop out, I think we can set aside right now. Well, he gets Secret Service uh, tomorrow. starting tonight right. at midnight, I think. Yeah, that's uh, right. So it's, if you're getting Secret Service protection, you're probably not leaving the race. <laughs> well, but, but his plans to stay in the race aren't necessarily uh, indicative of whether he will, in fact, do it, right? I mean, after tonight, uh, depending on what happens with Newt Gingrich in these states, will he have the funding, will he have the organization to sustain this planned effort? Well, we've got two more southern states next week. Um, if he doesn't do well there, then we might have another look at it. But I think based on tonight that, that Steve's got it right. He's got All it. right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. It seems like this is the Fox News show and not the C. Robert Jones sit rep. But hey, the polls have closed in Georgia.
Massachusetts, Ohio, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Each candidate has some bragging rights for tomorrow. <laughs> Still, the picture, the picture is muddled. I expected, as many of you did, that we'd have some clarification. Tonight, there doesn't seem as though there's going to be much. Tonight, I expected, I hoped rather, that we would begin to see the picture clear up and we would begin to, well, just begin to focus on the eventual nominee. But with Newt winning his home state of Georgia, with Ohio still in play, with each candidate winning handedly in one state or another, well, may you live in interesting times. And indeed we do. Let's take a listen to some predictions from Pat Cadell and see if any of this came true. I'll give you my, 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 my as of today, as of today, I think the Republicans would lose the House and win the Senate. I think that's a long shot. That may change. The Republicans still have it in their power, but right now, that's where we're headed, number one. Number two is you tell me what the unemployment rate is in December, and I will tell you what's going to happen in the presidential election. Because Obama's problem now, President Obama's problem, is he was elected on hope and change. What well, was an easy slogan? The problem is most voters, most Americans don't think he's delivered. The White House is counting on a campaign strategy, uh, which I lived through myself in 1980, which is we'll just demonize the opposition. You know, it could, or as a slogan, as someone said in 1980, I threw up my hands one day at a meeting in the White House and said, what is our slogan? It could be worse. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, there's, you have to be able to campaign for something. The question for the president is people don't think he's in control. I saw the last week, suddenly the president who is, you know, very personable, who people like, who is a commanding media presence, looked like he was lost out there talking about the economy. And that, that's, that, there, there, there are shades of Jimmy Carter to that that he does not want to have. And so far, they, they seem at a loss. Other than they keep saying what we're doing is good and working, that's not a campaign. That won't work. He's got to get something happening. Real results are going to determine him. But I'll tell you this. If I'm right about how people are reacting to the economy, Obama's numbers continue to go down, and we're not by any means done. I think the politics in December will be very different from what they are in June. If Obama's numbers go down enough, we'll listen for Jeb Bush. Because if his name were not Bush, there wouldn't even be a fight for the nomination right now. His record in Florida, in terms of Republicans, his ability to appeal to Hispanics, which is a real problem for Republicans. As people say he's the real George, he's the real Bush in the Bush family. Uh, but but if things get bad enough, that the 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 the, um, the disqualification of being a Bush will disappear, and I think you will see a lot of people. But if this economy continues to collapse. No candidate emerges. I think by fall you'll start hearing a groundswell for him, and it will be a real groundswell. All right. That was Forbes.com. And that interview was conducted June 14, 2011. June 14, 2011. What do you think of Pat Cadell's statement? Was he right? 
Because here we are. Well, it's March. Let's go back to Fox News and see what's going on. Native of Ohio, Bill. The Buckeyes. I could use that coffee, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking 1 a.m. at this point. Uh, good evening to all of you. Uh, here is what we're looking at in the state of Ohio. There's been so much attention on the state because it has been such a bellwether over the past several presidential cycles. And you know if you're a Republican, you want to win the White House, well, you have to win Ohio. Now, this is very early in the evening. About 2% reporting right now. We have Romney in orange and Santorum in the, uh, in the red color here. And uh, we're going to see these colors start to fill in. And uh, predictably, where Rick Santorum has to do well, these rural counties, he really has to, to drive up the score in places like Ross County. He's doing that right now. But, again, just a couple hundred, say a 1,000 votes uh, recorded right now for Ross County. Similar story up here in Pickaway County. Just to give you a frame of reference, four years ago, these counties, they checked in Quick math, three, five, some 5,500 votes. And in 2012, you've got uh, less than 1,000. So you've got a long way to go in a lot of these places. So Ta Santorum wants to fill in the southern part of the state and the eastern edge of the state where he's doing in this. Uh, this is Mahoning County. The, the county seat is Youngstown. That bumps up right against the border of his home state of Pennsylvania. What is Romney doing right now? Come down here to the southwest, the city of Cincinnati, and, the, and Hamilton County, this is a, a Republican bastion. Back in 2008, it went with a Democrat for the White House for the first time since 1964. It is solid Romney territory if he's going to do well in Ohio and win it tonight. At the moment, he's in decent shape. But again, uh, these numbers are still, still early in the night. This is Warren County. And what you find in southwestern Ohio, a lot of people living in the city of Cincinnati and the western edge of Hamilton County, they've moved up in the Butler and Warren and Claremont counties. And they, too, have been solid Republican uh, counties over the past several election cycles. These are growing counties. A lot of people moving out here. Uh, Mitt Romney right now with a slight lead in Warren County. Then you get up into Dayton, Ohio, and Montgomery County. And Romney, again, just a bit of an edge there on Santorum by four points at 39% to 34%. What's missing in this map right now, there are no votes in from Franklin County in Columbus, no votes up here in Cuyahoga and Cleveland, no votes over here in Lucas County in Toledo. And you see a little bit start to fill in right there. Uh, this is real live data. Uh, as it comes in right now, we can see it at 3%. Romney, a three-point lead over Santorum. But again, still too close to call in the state of Ohio. The other critical state to watch right now is Tennessee because there is no winner at the moment in this state either. Uh, about 3% reporting it again, Santorum and Red and Romney and Orange. We'll watch the colors fill in. And quickly, I'll just show you from four years ago, McCain won the state. Huckabee and Purple did very well in the western part. This was where Romney was strong, right around the, uh, these counties that surround Nashville. And we'll see in 2012 whether he fills in or whether Santorum has an edge right there in Tennessee. Watching those two critical states as we Roll on on Super Tuesday. Back to you. Bill, thank you. From the billboard now to our election wall, where we're keeping track of everything tonight. Campaign headquarters, the delegate count, and how many days until the general election? Look at it all. Just soak it in. you got to sort of stop and look at it, right? If you're under the age of 25, <laughs> you get it instantly. Otherwise, you have to stop. Am I wrong? Actually, when you're, you're 25 to 54, you get it very well. <laughs> I, I don't know. I okay. need a moment. All right. Uh, in any event, we'll be... Checking in with the big, the big board. Rather. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. Well, it would seem that things have worked out oddly for a great many of us here tonight. I thought, as I suspect did many of you, 
that the picture would clear up. And as I stated earlier, all, each candidate, except for perhaps Ron Paul, can claim victory to some degree or another. Each candidate tomorrow will have bragging rights. Each can say, I won here and here's why I can win it all. Newt Gingrich pulled out the great state of Georgia. Rick Santorum pulled out a victory. Mitt Romney's got a victory to his credit. The water is still very unclear, very muddied, and I don't like it. Seriously, I don't like it at all. We need to get this out of the way and get this over with and start the campaign. Barack Obama has been campaigning for the last three years. As it stands now, unless we settle on a candidate, and I do mean settle, because that's what we'll be doing. You know, there's going to be precious little time to get a campaign going strong enough to defeat President Obama. I'm very concerned about tonight's events. I'm excited, but I'm concerned, as I suspect are many of you. Now, let's get back to one of the other subjects I'd like to talk about. Sheriff Joe and his investigation. To paraphrase another favorite Reagan quotation, it isn't so much that the mainstream media are ignorant. Wait. We've got to start that off properly. Quote, It isn't so much that the mainstream media are ignorant. It's just that they know so many things that aren't so. End quote. So, assuming the mainstream media's assertions of, of what is so fail to satisfy your own definition of verified, then Sheriff Arpaio is right. The birth certificate released by the White House has not been verified as trustworthy. But after attacking the message, the reporters at the press conference next questioned the motives of the sheriff and even the political affiliation of the posse's lead detective. Mike Zullo. Now, although Sheriff Arpaio's history with the administration is indeed contentious, the media would likely assail everyone and anyone who attempted to conduct such an investigation. Quote, Joe the Plumber, or Joe the Sheriff, it makes no difference. Both Joes failed to toe the politically correct line, and we have not heard the last of this, but we haven't heard much of it lately either. So here we go. It's all so crazy, isn't it? Well, all I have to say about all of this is that uh, hopefully this won't get swept under the rug like our situation in Georgia when uh, Barack Obama was certified to be on the ballot because he was certified as a natural-born citizen 
by a Georgia ju- judge. Let's go back to Super Tuesday at Fox and see what they've got going on now. Too close to call. There you see the breakdown. Mitt Romney, 42%, 7% of the expected vote in. So it's very early. Rick, Rick Santorum, 36%. But with the raw totals in and the exit polls, too close to call. Tennessee, the same way. Still too close to call in Tennessee. And there you see Rick Santorum ahead, but again, only 7% of the expected vote in. Uh, but he's ahead a little bit more in the early voting. New, couple, oops, sorry. Sorry, sorry. New couple states that we can call for you. Uh, we told you about this one earlier. Georgia. Newt Gingrich winning his home state there rather easily. Also want to take you to the state of Vermont, right, where Mitt Romney has won. You can see the margin there so far. Ron Paul with a pretty solid showing at uh, 38 and 28%. In Virginia, the Commonwealth, Mitt Romney has won. Ron Paul taking 41% of the vote. Uh, there and in oh, Massachusetts, Mitt Romney winning his home state, 73% to 13%. Rick Santorum in second place there. Again, uh, Oklahoma. Fox News called for Rick Santorum, and we are waiting on Tennessee and Ohio. Well, all night long, Martha McCallum is keeping an eye on the exit polls for us, and they can be so telling uh, in terms of how these candidates won these states and what is likely to happen in other states, too. Martha? You are so right about that, Megan. Let's take a look at some of this. You can bet that there is some nail-biting going on right now at Romney and Santorum headquarters because no Republican has won the presidency without winning this Ohio primary first, and it is tight out there right now. Totally different picture than what we've seen in the other states. It's an open primary, and sometimes it's the independents, of course, that can make all of the difference in this one. And tonight, Santorum is leading that group, and then comes Romney. Take a look at how these numbers are shaping up right now. Romney in 31 per- at 31%. Ron Paul, of course, has done very well with independents throughout this whole primary season. He's in third with them, though, in Ohio. Let's take a look at the Tea Party vote. Uh, Tea Partiers are torn between these two. They are neck and neck right now, 39 to 37% between the top two. Evangelical Christians, though, this group has continued to shake out more towards Rick Santorum. 47% of the uh, evangelical vote in Ohio tonight looks to be going towards Rick Santorum at this point in the evening. We have spent so much time over the course of this week talking about women's issues and how women will vote in this Republican primary and then in the general election as well. So let's see how they're stacking up tonight in Ohio. Working women in Ohio are choosing Mitt Romney tonight by double digits over Rick Santorum. Perhaps not that surprising given some of the conversation that has taken place over the course of this week. But married women split between the two in Ohio right now. Let's turn our attention for a moment now over to Massachusetts. This one is very interesting to take a look at as well. Mitt Romney, of course, won 73% of the vote. You just showed that number, Megan. Uh, he won it very easily. But how about this? When the voters tonight were asked about Romney Care in the home state of Romney Care, a huge topic of debate, some say that it's too close, of course, to President Obama's health care plan. 69% of the folks that voted for Mitt Romney in, in his home state believe that Romney Care went too far. Overall, 38% of the Massachusetts voters said Romney Care was just about right as far as they were concerned. So we got a lot more coming up. There's, there we are. And we'll uh, have more shadows. for you. As soon as the lights come back on, we'll have an epiphany and more numbers coming your way. We like Thank to keep you guessing. Guys. It's always exciting. Exactly. <laughs> back to Washington now, where Fox News Sunday anchor Chris Wallace is with his guests. And people know who those guests are, Chris. 
They do indeed. We're with our political insiders, Carl Rove and Joe Trippi, and we don't just sit here passively and wait for the all-powerful decision desk to tell us who's won the states. We try to figure it out for ourselves. Carl, what are you looking for? What are you seeing in Ohio right now? Well, it's breaking out like you'd expect it, with Santorum doing well in rural counties like Hardin and with Romney doing well in suburban counties like Geauga up near Cleveland. What's interesting to me is Hamilton County, which is in the southwestern corner of the state. Near uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the city of Cincinnati and its suburbs. And in the southwestern part, there are both uh, social conservatives and party regulars. And tonight, thus far, in these votes, in, in, in the vote in Hamilton and the surrounding counties, uh, Romney is winning, which I, I'm a little bit surprised by. I thought I thought uh, Santorum would do better in the Southwest than he uh, than he's doing. Way too early for you to say he's going. Way too early. Way too early. But an interesting early trend. If it holds up, we'll see. How important is it who wins Ohio? Uh, I mean, in in the end, uh, they're not running against each other. They're gonna, whoever is the nominee is going to run against Obama. How important is it? For instance, Romney. If he were to win Ohio and Florida and Virginia, he could make the case. I can win the swing states that are going to come up against Obama. Right, and he can, and, and he's basically slamming, starting to slam the door shut on the field. If, if Santorum uh, wins uh, Ohio, he, he's starting to put, really put some pain on, on Romney and is rolling and is starting to make the case that he's the guy that can appeal to independents and appeal to... Uh, particularly Let's just make that case. If Santorum like wins... Ohio tonight. Are we back to a pre-Michigan situation where Romney looks like a weak front yeah, runner? We're, and it's, it just shows you how unfair the process is because these two guys are going to fight to a near draw tonight by all by all accounts. One of them is going to be having to go. Santorum may have to go beg his funders to say he did well enough to keep going. Uh, but if he if he squeaks it out. Romney's the one. That well, is, uh, Carl, Carl, let me let me let me take you to some other states. Uh, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, you were saying it's not only who finishes first, it's also who finishes second. Explain sure. that. And how close they are. Because like in Georgia right now, uh, Romney's uh, running second, I believe. And, in, uh, and, and the question is how close are they? Because these are we, we're talking about two things, bragging rights. Uh, you know, you came in first, but I came in a close second. And, and, and delegates, because these southern primaries are all proportional. So if you have a narrow split in the vote, you have a narrow split in the delegates. And Number two comes in one or two or three delegates behind number one. Let, let me pick up on that with you, uh, Joe, because I remember back to 2008 and the Democrats and, and eventually in March, Hillary Clinton started beating Barack Obama in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Texas. But the, the delegate board remained about 100 delegates in favor of Obama. At a certain point, do the states become less important and just the sheer math of the delegate count take over? Absolutely. I mean, this is this is all about delegates. Even tonight, uh, it's about delegates. It, in the end, though, if the if if there are some other issues here, how is Romney doing in the South? If he starts taking third in some of these southern states. You know, you know that's a that just shows a weakness there. I don't think it'll matter much against Obama in the fall necessarily, but it does show that there may still be a schism in the party. And, and on the other hand, if Gingrich takes third in, in, outside of Georgia, yeah. then he then he's a home state candidate, a home state favorite son rather than a regional candidate. One other thing, you, you mentioned delegates. That's why Virginia and Ohio are so important. In Virginia tonight, Romney is likely to win of the 46 delegates who are up for grabs, 41 of them. And in Ohio, even if he has a narrow loss, in all likelihood because of, uh, of Santorum's failure to get on the ballot, 
uh, get delegate slates on the ballot in three congressional districts and full slates in, in a number of others, uh, Romney is likely to win a majority Real of the quickly, delegates. Carl, is there going to be enough good news for all three of these guys? We know Paul's going to stay in Enough good news for all three of them to stay in the race? Uh, yeah, I believe so, because, look, Gingrich is going to win, win his home state, and Santorum's going to probably win one or two of the southern states. Well, he's already won Oklahoma. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and perform well in, in Ohio, and everybody's going to find something to go on. But the key is, how many delegates at the end of the night, and does Romney win a majority? And if so, that begins to inexorably bear down on the, on the, on the future contest. So what we're looking at, Brett, is a long night as a precursor to a continued and long delegate fight. Back to you. Juan got his coffee. Chris, thank you. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. So this is what I was concerned about. This is what I've been concerned about all night long since the closing of the polls. I wasn't so much concerned earlier today as I am now, that the waters are still very much muddied, that we have not begun, not even begun at this point, no matter who acquires uh, the most delegates tonight, we haven't cleared up the picture of who our nominee is going to be. It's a, it's a situation where, well, it, 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 now, now, now mind you, it's exciting. It really is. All of this is very exciting. Newt is coming on strong. Santorum is surging. Romney's holding steady. But who's it going to be and when? That's my question. Who's it going to be? It's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to tell. Idaho. The Idaho Republican County Caucuses, 32 delegates are at stake. All delegates awarded to the winner of the 44 County Caucus. Winner takes all by county. A candidate winning more than half of the delegates at the county level is automatically awarded all of the state's delegates. Semi-open binding caucus, which means voters can affiliate at the caucus site, delegates bound to winners, presidential preference only, first year for the caucus. Polls close at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Do the math. Idaho is the reddest of Republican states, thanks to conservatives and libertarians. Western sort and a large Mormon population make this a serious red state and a cap in any candidate's feather. A feather in any candidate's cap. <laughs> and like the contest in neighboring Washington State, Nevada, and Wyoming, this year should favor Mitt Romney. But we'll see. There should be little market among non-Mormon libertarians for Rick Santorum's emphasis on social issues. So look for that. But Idaho Republicans have settled on a complicated means of awarding delegates, which leaves the door open to Ron Paul and, to a lesser degree, Santorum, to claim a partial victory. Each county will hold its own caucus 
with with successive ballots until one candidate wins an outright majority. Candidates receiving less than 15% are dropped from the next ballot. The county winner gets the county's share of the state party's overall delegation to the Republican National Convention. In case of county-level ties, the remaining two candidates split the county's share. That should be interesting. Semper Fi, my Marine. Semper Fi. Glad you're here. Speaking to a Marine in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, by the way. In more popul in more populated areas of the state of Idaho, the 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 delegate count should be more straightforward acting in essence like a binding caucus unlike straw straw poll votes in places like Idaho, Maine and Minnesota these votes directly affect delegate distribution there is the first time that Iowa has uh, this is the first time that Iowa has tried a caucus and it's first time going so early in the primary process there's no president for turnout or any experience for the party. So this is going to be an interesting situation. Now, right now we're awaiting a speech from Newt Gingrich. Let's go back to Fox News and see what they've got to talk about, what they're talking about right now. Gingrich, 26 percent. Romney, 19 percent. Mm-hmm. In Ohio, support the Tea Party, 60 percent. And that was an even split. Santorum, 39. Romney, 37. So two different results in those two different states. Yeah, hard to unpack that. But let me say, one of the other things that jumps out at me, um, Brett, in Tennessee is people making uh, over $200,000 a year, right? Well-off people, overwhelmingly turning out for Mitt Romney. It's it's split across the board, but Romney has the highest percentage. I think he has about uh, 36, 37 percent. And and look at someone like a Santorum or a Gingrich. They get $30,000 or less. They show up much much better in those uh, categories. He still, Mitt Romney, is is garnering the support among the well-off and the well-educated. What I think he needs to do, Grace Marie Turner wrote an interesting piece in American Spectator today. Romney Care still seems to be that hurdle for a lot of voters. I think he needs to do a little bit more, especially in the new kind of 2009 uh, revelations that came out in recent days. He needs to bridge that gap if he can. He needs to try to. It look like, look, at least look like he's willing to uh, come to terms with Romney Care a little bit more clearly. Rick Santorum has talked about that a lot. Ron yeah. Paul was on your show today. He was. And criticized Romney pretty openly. Yes, which, you know, he, he doesn't do all that often. And indeed, uh, you know, Megan, I know you've been talking about this. Uh, Rick Santorum, that he believes uh, is still his opening with Romney. How can you run against uh, Barack Obama when you yourself advocated on behalf of a national mandate, as he did pretty much in that USA Today piece from 2009? Uh, nevertheless, you, you talk to folks, and I've been, I've been speaking to listeners uh, across the country the last two weeks. You do sense people are getting a little bit weary of this process, and you do sense that people are kind of saying, okay, the perfect is the enemy of the good we got to kind of figure this out soon. What of that? Because the polls so far are showing that the folks who decided in just the last few days 
uh, are siding with Mitt Romney. Yes. Well, uh, and I think that a lot of that is because of the narrative that's been forming. Uh, some some of the part of the, uh, the fault of Republicans, and I think uh, some of the other fault goes with the media has been pushing this. Well, Republicans are at war against women, and it's led by the religious zealots. Uh, such as, you know, Rick Santorum and his ilk and so forth. I think that's obviously hurt Santorum. He was on my show today and he basically admitted as much. He said, look, you know, some of this was our own doing, but, you know, I'm trying to focus on manufacturing jobs in the economy. You, you, ta you talked to him about the uh, whether he regretted the remark about he wanted to throw up on himself. I did. Uh, when he saw JFK's speech on he separation it. of church and state. Uh, he made some news with you on that. Yes, not the best choice of words. And uh, also asked him about a, a potential alliance still with Newt Gingrich. We had talked about this about a month and a half ago back in Iowa. And he was very interesting. When I asked him about that, he kind of hesitated, and he, and, and, and he said, well, we're, we'll wait and see. And I said, well, wait a second. Would a Romney-Rubio ticket be stronger than a, uh, a Santorum-Gingrich ticket? And again, hesitation. Didn't really, said, well, you know, uh, uh, the, I, I, the best person should get the nomination. The best candidate, I'm convinced, will get, you know, win the nomination. Which is very interesting. It didn't sound like someone was, uh, who necessarily was thinking he was going to get the nomination. Maybe a little reality setting him. Speaking of Newt Gingrich, we were looking live at the Gingrich headquarters yep. in Atlanta. He's getting ready to speak, and we'll take that live here. Um, the singer there in the room. All right. We're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. Newt Gingrich is about to step to the podium and give his uh, his victory speech. And uh, that should be something interesting to hear. We're going to listen to it live here on the C. Robert Jones situation report. Because Newt is known for giving the finest, fiery, anti-Obama speeches of all the three remaining candidates. It should be both informative, entertaining, and moving. So we will go to that. We will listen to it in its entirety. And, hey, if we have to, we'll close the show out with Newt Gingrich if he manages to go on long. Because we've got about 23 minutes left here on the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. And quite frankly, I'm on pins and needles waiting to see what, what Mitt is going to say how he's going to explain this because in a way it's a bit of a debacle. You know, he's 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 the presumptive nominee. And yet uh Santorum's claiming a victory here. Newt's claiming a, a big victory in uh in in Georgia. Uh it's turning out it's turning out to be a referendum really. On Mitt Romney. Folks are saying, uh, uh, that, uh, maybe, uh, you know, well, you know, they've been saying it all along that he's just not conservative enough and that what we need to counter Barack Obama is a true conservative. So, uh, here we go. We're waiting for uh, Newt to to come to the podium. Before we do that, we'll go back to Fox News and we'll listen to a little bit of what uh, uh, what the uh, Fox All Stars have to say while we wait for Newt to come up and take his victory lap. At least 
in terms of the great state of Georgia. Families approaching now. So, here we go. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. And want to interrupt this before we get to the candidates to bring you some important news. Fox News can now project that Rick Santorum will win Tennessee, leaving Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney to slug it out for second place. This is a significant victory for Rick Santorum in the state of Tennessee. We can also project that Ron Paul will come in fourth in Tennessee based on the Fox News exit polls. Now that means Santorum has now won two Super Tuesday states so far, Tennessee and Oklahoma, giving him the foundation really for a good night after losing to uh, Romney in Michigan and Arizona a week ago. Uh, Fox News can also project that Mitt Romney will finish second in Georgia, where we earlier called Newt Gingrich the winner. Rick Santorum will come in third ahead of Ron Paul, who we reported uh, finished fourth. As you look live there in uh, Atlanta, Newt Gingrich getting ready to speak. And Massachusetts, where we previously projected Romney the winner. We can now report Newt Gingrich will finish in fourth place. Santorum and Ron Paul continue to battle out for second place. Uh, and just to recap, as we as we we'll go to Calista Gingrich in a minute, uh, Fox News has projected winners now in six of the ten Super Tuesday states tonight. Mitt Romney has won three states: Virginia, Vermont, Massachusetts. Rick Santorum has won two: Oklahoma and Tennessee. Newt Gingrich has won one state: Georgia. He is live in Atlanta. Right now. One of the biggest prizes, of course, Ohio remains too close to call. Romney and Santorum battle for first place in the Buckeye State. A huge win for Rick Santorum in Tennessee. Let's listen in to Callista Gingrich as she introduces the former House Speaker. Newt and I are engaged in this race because we believe America is at a crossroads and care deeply about the future of our country. There are only a few months left before the most important election in our lifetimes. Our only opponent is Barack Obama. And we are committed to removing him from the White House. This campaign is far from over, and tomorrow we'll bring another chapter in the race for the nomination. Newt is the only candidate with the experience and knowledge necessary to rebuild the America we love. He he has a successful national record of creating jobs, balancing the budget, and reforming the government. Today, we need a leader with bold solutions to create a better future for all Americans. I believe that leader is my husband. Please welcome former Speaker of the House and the next President of the United States, Newt Gingrich.
You know, this is amazing. I hope the analysts in Washington and New York who spent June and July explaining our campaign was dead will watch this tonight and learn a little bit from this crowd and from this place. We survived the national elite's effort to kill us in the summer because of you, because people who said we are not going to allow the elite to decide who we are allowed to nominate. And so, with your help, thousands and thousands of people came to Newt.org, and with your help, we survived the two most difficult months of a career which goes back to August of 1958. And June and July were really hard, and it was precisely because the national elite, especially in the Republican Party, had decided that a Gingrich presidency was so frightening that they had to kill it early. But you, you wouldn't let them do it. With your help and the power of large solutions and big ideas and clear communications in the debates, by December, according to Gallup, I was the front runner by 15 points, and according to Rasmus, and I was the front runner by 21 points, because you believed in the power of ideas. You believed that people can make a difference that in fact Wall Street money can be beaten by Main Street work. Yeah. And of course at that point Wall Street money decided that only a relentlessly negative five million dollar campaign in Iowa would work. And they did reduce my support from 36 to 14 percent in three weeks of unrelenting negativity. And once again, the media said, oh, I guess this is over finally. But you all said, no. no. And at the very depths of the establishment rejecting it, thousands of more people came to Newt.org and signed up. Yes. And the result was, by South Carolina, we won a historic victory, carried 43 out of 46 counties. And it was extraordinary. And I'm pretty sure that tonight we have a number of the South Carolinians who helped us win who are here who came over to help celebrate this great victory. And at that point, the forces of Wall Street figured out they were in real trouble. And as the New York Times reported later, they held a meeting on Sunday morning after a Saturday night primary, and they said, we have to destroy Gingrich. One of them was even quoted in the New York Times as saying, we have to eviscerate him, which I thought was a fairly strong word in a Republican primary. <laughs> I would expect Obama's people to do that, but I thought it was a tad much, having spent my entire career building the Republican Party. 
And so they piled on $20 million in three weeks of negativity in Florida, and we were still standing. We carried all of North Florida. And interestingly, everywhere we were, when we won, the vote went up. When Wall Street won, the vote went down, which I think is a pretty bad sign for this fall if we end up with a Wall Street candidate. At that point, once again, they began to say, well, maybe he's gone. And then, frankly, Senator Santorum did something very clever. He went to three states nobody else was in, and he won them. <laughs> and the news media, once again desperate to prove Gingrich was gone, suddenly said, ah, now we have the person who's going to be the non-Romney. Now, Cliss and I looked at each other, and Jackie and Jimmy and Kathy and Paul, my two debate coaches, Maggie and Robert. <laughs> By the way, I would say for the performance they get out of me, the most underpaid debate coaches in America. <laughs> Although they'll probably talk to me about that later on. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but in any event, we looked at each other and we thought, you know, Remember when it was Tim Pawlenty who was going to crowd me out? And remember then when it was Michelle Bachman? And then it was our good friend Herman Cain the first time? And then for a brief moment it was Donald Trump almost? And then it was our good friend Rick Perry? And then it was Herman Cain the second time? And now it's Santorum. And you just can't quite get across to him. It's all right. There are lots of bunny rabbits that run through. I'm the tortoise. I just take one step at a time. And I've, I've always tried to be very candid. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but on balance, I think it's how I want to live and how I want to do things. And so I said, or I said, at the very peak of you know the Santorum surge and all this stuff, if I can't carry my home state where people know me, I would have no credibility. And I knew the basic Wall Street technique, which was to come in and spend lots of. How many of you have noticed negative ads? Okay. How many of you have noticed the the Reagan negative ad that is a total lie? Okay. I mean that's that's what we're up against. It's one thing to have lots of money. It's another thing to lie with the money. And so I looked around and I thought, you know, let's go home and let's test it out. I'll go home. Chris and I crisscrossed the state. Kathy and Jackie were great help. And I have to say, Governor Deal did a tremendous job and worked very hard. <laughs> Herman King stepped up to the plate and worked very, very hard. Todd Palin made phone calls and really helped communicate that there was a candidate who ought to be helped. The fact is, in Tennessee, Fred Thompson was just tremendously helpful, and in Oklahoma, J.C. Watts was extraordinary. And so we basically put people power up against money power. And as you saw, the very first race they called tonight about 15 seconds after the polls closed. And so I'm here, first of all, to say thank you.
to each and every one of you because you are the reason we survived every effort of the establishment to stop us. Now, being here at the Waverly brings back many memories. In 1994, this is where we learned that for the first time in 40 years, there would be a Republican Speaker of the House. And you know, for that entire campaign, all of the elites thought we were crazy. First of all, we ran a positive campaign. We had a contract with America. They just thought that was weird. Why, why would you go to all that trouble? Have all these ideas. <laughs> we didn't spend our time on lots and lots of negative ads. We spent our time communicating hope to the American people. The result was the largest one-party increase in an off-year in American history because the American people want a chance to have hope again. So, as Calista said, tomorrow we'll bring another chapter in the race for the nomination. But it's more than a chapter in the race for the nomination. It's a chapter in a fight for the soul of the Republican Party. It's a chapter in the fight for the very nature of America. It's a chapter in defining who we are as a people. And let me be very clear. I believe that I am the one candidate who has the ability to debate Barack Obama decisively. you can't follow that strategy. What you have to have is somebody who knows what they believe, understands how to articulate it so it cuts through all the media, offsets the bias of the elite media who are desperate to reelect the president, and has the guts to take the president head on every single time he's wrong. campaign and we couldn't afford one. But I've, I've already promised that if the president will agree to seven three-hour debates in the Lincoln-Douglas tradition, he can use a teleprompter if he wants to. 
and I'll get to that in just a second. But I want you to know that in the morning, we are going on to Alabama. We're going on to Mississippi. We're going on to Kansas. And that's just this week. I was actually in Huntsville this afternoon starting off our Alabama effort. And I, and, and I want to say to all of you, any of you who have friends anywhere in the country, if you can email them, if you can post on Facebook something as simple as Newt equals 250 a gallon gasoline, uh, if you can go to Twitter and put in hashtag 250 gas. I mean, we run a very inexpensive, very straightforward, reach every single person campaign. Now, I just want to give you one example of how profoundly different we are, both from the other candidates and from the president. One that I would love to debate this president about. And that's the one that a number of you are holding signs for. I want us to have an American energy policy so no president will ever again bow to a Saudi king. imagine the debate this fall. The president was right the other day. He's, he's so nervous about gasoline prices and energy that he's done two major speeches. And I thought today, in one of the most shallow and self-serving comments by a president that I've heard in a long time, he was candid in his press conference. He said, you know, I'm really worried about higher gas prices because it will make it harder for me to get reelected. I did not make this up. It was just nice to know that the president, once again, has managed to take the pain of the American people and turn it into his own personal problem. <laughs> now, the fact is, I'd love to debate this president because when you read these speeches, they are so deliciously incoherent. They, they are the perfect case study of liberalism run amok. The president says the Republicans have three strategies. Strategy number one is drilling. Strategy number two is drilling. Strategy number three is drilling. And I want to say to him, Mr. President, this is one of the rare occasions when I can say you are right. But the president had an alternative to drilling, and this is why debating him would be just one of those moments where you could almost sell tickets for charity. <laughs> the president said, we have to be practical. Drilling won't solve it. And then he offered his practical solution. Anybody here remember what it was? Algae. Algae. I mean, I think this summer, as gas prices keep going up, 
One of our campaign techniques should be have people go to gas stations. All right, folks, the show is coming to an end. You've been listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report and Super Tuesday. I want to thank everybody for being here. We're going to go ahead and let Newt close it out, and we're going to say goodnight. Once again, it's been a great Super Tuesday. Thank you all for being here. We're out. Newt can take it away. Please be back tomorrow. We're going to have a great time. Thank you so much for being here. Good night, folks. Wow. What a day it's been. And it's not over yet. We've got some other shows coming up. We've got 2020 Radio Network with G-Ski Rocks. And then we've got GGT coming up, uh, the Insane Radio Network. I'm headed over to 2020 Radio Network with G-Ski. You should join me. Anyway, let's continue on from here with 2020 and G-Ski. Good night, folks. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. We're out. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Because, of course, the answer is... Now, I I came up with a specific proposal to, to make vivid that there could be a better future in practical terms. So I propose $2.50 a gallon as our goal. Now, I have to say, my daughter Jackie was off campaigning with Herman Cain, and after two days of campaigning with Herman, she came back to me and she said, you know, maybe we should change that. Maybe it should be 2.4999. And to his credit, Herman said no. <laughs> That will not work as a marketing device. Stick, stick with 250, which is which he's very good at. So I picked $2.50, and I actually picked it by asking the oil experts, what's a price at which you would have continuous exploration? Because my goal is to have energy independence so we are free of the Middle East. And the ultimatum, the closing the straits would be an act of war and their government would cease to exist. But the long-term solution is to create American energy independence so we could say to China, India, and Europe, you have a problem in the Straits of Hormuz. We hope you can solve it, but we're not in charge of it. Now, the fact is that 250 is attainable. Governor Romney came to town the other day and said I was pandering by picking it up. And I just want to explain to the governor, no, this is called leading. Leaders create large goals. Leaders create a vision of a better future. Leaders arouse the American people to go out and do great things. Leaders believe the American people could easily achieve energy independence if the government got out of the way. 
So if your friends ask you why we are emphasizing $2.50, and is it practical, first of all, you can tell them to go to newt.org.